Glad you guys are here today. We're in a series called More Than Words. We're looking at faith, hope, and love uh, in the scriptures. We are on part two of faith today. Um, we're looking at these because these words encapsulate fundamentals to our, 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 our being able to honor Jesus. If we get faith right, if we get hope right, if we get love right, we're going to be the kind of people that God wants us to be. Um, but the way Satan gets at us sometimes is he just twists definitions a little bit. If I can just cause some confusion here about what faith is or what it looks like when it's authentic or what it, uh, if I can just cause some confusion here, I'm going to derail people. And that's what we see often is, is Satan gets in there, he just tweaks the definition a little bit to make us misunderstand just enough to get off track where it's kind of like if you're, if you're in a ship, right, and you're, and you're, and you're sailing across uh, uh, like a thousand mile journey. If you get off one degree, man, by the time you travel a thousand miles, you're going to be way off of your destination. And that's kind of like these, these little misunderstandings we have with some of these fundamentals of faith sometimes. When we misunderstand and start moving in a direction uh, that we were never meant to move, we can end up in a destination we never meant to arrive at. Amen? And so that's why it's important we get in here and, 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 and look at this stuff and, and try to, our best to get it right. Uh, last week, Jake talked about the faith. And when we say the faith or when the faith shows up in the Bible, that's referring to the systematic teaching uh, about God. That's the faith. Um, in Jude 3, I think I have this up here on the screen. It's not on your notes. Uh, but in Jude 3, it, it's written, Dear friends, although I was very eager to write to you about the salvation we share, I felt compelled to write and urge you to contend for the faith uh, that was once for all entrusted to God's people. He's, his uh, instruction there is to contend for the faith. Again, that's the systematic teaching uh, of God. Now, I want to point out here that in this passage, it says that the faith was delivered once for all time to the church. Okay, it says that right there. What that means is, is that just what it says. The faith, the systematic teaching about God was delivered already to the church once for all time. Anytime somebody comes along and they want to add to the faith or they want to change the faith, we are to contend for it. Okay, and that's what he also says here. We're obligated to protect and preserve the faith. We're called to contend for it. So when somebody comes along and is twisting God's word and it making it, trying to make it say something it doesn't say, uh, or if people come into the church and they start uh, saying things, uh, you know, trying to teach things that, that aren't Christ-like or that go against uh, the teachings in Scripture, we're to, we're to stand up against that. We're to protect the faith. We're to preserve the faith. Uh, Satan is determined to distort it. And as I mentioned and alluded to earlier, guys, the way he gets in there and distorts it often is just tweak it a little bit. Let's just change the definition a little bit. Let's just, let's just move them a little bit off where uh, they can get a, a degree off and, and you know, their destination is going to be affected as a result of that. He's going to distort it. So we've got to let the scriptures be our guide. Amen? You've got to go back to the Bible. So today what we're going to do is ask... Uh, why authentic faith is vital, and then what authentic faith looks like. So we got a why and a what today, okay? Next week, we're going to get into uh, the, the word pistis in Greek. Uh, we're going to look at some, 
different examples of the way this word was used. Pistis is the word for faith or belief. Uh, we're going to look at some different ways this was used in the first century. Uh, we're going to look at... Uh, we're going to look at Scripture. We're also going to look at some things uh, that are in addition to Scripture next week. We're going to look at uh, like some writings from a guy named Josephus and some other uh, people from way back in ancient times, the way they use this word in everyday language. And so we're really going to have clarity um, by the end of, of this. I think uh, you're, you're going to see what I'm talking about. But today, why authentic faith is vital and what authentic faith looks like. Why is it vital that I have authentic faith? faith. Um, well, number one, which by the way, you've got some notes in your bulletin. If you want to pull those out, it's going to have space for you to write uh, some of this stuff down. First of all, because I cannot please God without it. Why is it so vital that I have authentic faith? Well, first of all, I can't please God without it. It says in Hebrews eleven six, without faith, no one can please God. For anyone who comes to God must believe that he is real, that is, he exists, and that he rewards those who truly want to find or earnestly or sincerely seek him. That's from the expanded Bible. Uh, we do look at different translations of the Bible here. If you're wondering, we do that because it's good to, especially with a text that may be familiar, uh, read it in other translation. It kind of makes you slow down. Uh, it kind of makes you look a little more closely at what you're looking at here. Uh, so this straight up says in Hebrews 11:6, you can't please God without faith says no one can please God without faith. No one. That means everybody. No one without this authentic saving faith can please him. Real relationship with him is based on the foundation of faith. Okay? Secondly, uh, it's vital that I have authentic faith because, number two, I can't live a victorious life without it. You can't have victory in life without faith. It says in 1 John 5, 4, Every child of God defeats this evil world, and we achieve this victory through what? Through faith, right? Sounds important. Who in here likes to lose? Does anybody in here get up this morning and say, I want to lose today? I just want to lose. Loser, right? Nobody wants to be a loser. How many of you young men that play video games this week threw a controller because you lost? Nobody wants to admit it. Mariva's like, I did. How many of you guys have seen David lose it? When, when he, yeah. He doesn't like to lose, right? Uh, how many of you guys went and played basketball at SAUE this past week? Nobody? Okay. Well, you guys don't like to lose either, right? We like to win. We are winners, especially it's part of being an American, right? You're a winner, right? How many of you guys are glad Brady's coming out of retirement? Oh, we got a polar, split the, split the church right there, talking, all right? Uh, you like to be on the winning side. You don't want to be a loser. You want victory in life. Guys, if you want victory in life, uh, you're not going to have victory in life without faith. You have to have faith. Thirdly, uh, I can't be forgiven without it. The third reason authentic faith is so important, I can't be forgiven without it. It says in John 8, 24, uh, I said that you will die with your sins unforgiven if you don't have faith in me. For who I am, you will die and your sins will not be forgiven. Now that's Jesus talking. If you don't have faith in me, you're going to die in your sins. That's just like straight up, okay? And then lastly, number four, because I cannot be saved without it. Piggybacking on that. 
It says in Ephesians 2.8, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. Faith, faith, over and over. And we can add to this, guys. This is just a few passages. Romans 5.1, you're justified through faith. You have peace with God through faith. Uh, does it sound to you like faith is important? Man, if you read the Bible, yeah. You can't live without it. It's that important. Like, you can't have a connection with God without faith. It's that important. So how important do you think it might be to understand what faith is? If, 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 we, if Satan, if his job, if his role, if his goal is to keep us from God, do you think he might want to get in there and, and screw up your definition of faith? Yeah, he sure is going to want to because he wants to keep you away from God. And so if he can just get you to believe faith is something else or something less than what God, man, he's going he's to derail you. And so I think that's kind of what we see. Um, but here's the thing, guys. All of us, all of us are going to have to stand before the Lord someday. This is, this is a basic teaching of the Bible. We live, we eventually pass away, and then we have to go stand before the Lord and give an account of our lives to God. Uh, we're going to be judged by him. And there's two kinds of people in the world, according to God. There's people who put their faith in Jesus and people who don't. That's it. Those are the two kinds of people in the world. Okay? Uh, what the Bible says in John 3.16, this isn't on your notes, but it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him or has faith in him, same word, shall not perish but have eternal life. That's that reference to this judgment that we're going to face. People say, well, what do I need to be saved from? Guys, the Bible teaches that if you have sinned, if you've done anything that's outside of God's will, uh, if you've told a lie, uh, if you've had an unloving attitude towards someone, if you've ever stolen something, if you've ever... Uh, if you've ever done anything that God says is not right, you have sinned. And what happens when you sin is God is so holy, like God does not fellowship with sin. He doesn't, he, he can't because of his holiness. When we sin, we, we set up a, a barrier between us and God. There's like this chasm that exists between us and God. We call that separation death. The, the biblical definition of death and understanding is really a separation. Like, your body dies when your spirit separates from it. Um, you, you, well, we, we die spiritually when we're separated from God. What causes us to die spiritually is that sin. The only way, the only way you and I have hope is to get that sin taken care of. And Jesus says, when you put your faith in me, properly understood, I died on a cross, I didn't sin at all, and I went and died on a cross, I did that to give you a chance, because what I will do for you when you put your faith in me is we will apply my death to you. We will say that I'm taking your punishment. I'm going to take your death, I'm going to give you my life. I'm going to take your unrighteousness, I'm going to give you my righteousness. I'm going to take your darkness, I'm going to give you my light. That's what we celebrate in communion every week. 
The way you access those benefits is by putting your faith in Jesus Christ. And that doesn't just mean you believe he died on the cross for your sins. There's more to it than that. And that's what we're going to talk about in this lesson. But I want to set our minds right, guys. We're going to take communion. Are we good for that? Okay. Uh, We're going to take communion this morning. We take communion at the crossings every week. Communion is uh, something that was instituted by Jesus. Uh, He asked his followers and his friends to, to take communion together because he wants us to remember that he allowed his body to be broken for us, that he allowed his blood to be spilled for us. And don't miss the significance, guys. Jesus went to the cross and died on the cross knowing that it was going to mean he was making a way for us. He knew the plan ahead of time. This was not a surprise to him. Uh, He laid down his life on purpose, knowing what was going to happen. And then he asked us to take communion to remember that he made that sacrifice. God, guys, the God of the universe made himself a human being, came into the world, allowed himself to be unjustly tried and crucified, and he died on a cross for your sins to give you away. The way you take advantage of what Jesus has done is by putting your faith in him. But I want you to remember, guys, It should not be a scary thing to do that when you think about who Jesus is, right? Should we be afraid of him? Should we be afraid of coming to him? Should we be afraid of the call that he has on our life when when something in our life maybe doesn't line up with, with what Jesus would want? Should we really be afraid of giving that up? The answer is no. He knows best. If we do life the way he says to do it, we're going to have the best life we can have. We're going to have the best relationships we can have. Uh, But we've got to be willing to give up that control to him. And that can be scary, but really it shouldn't be, right? Let me pray for us, and then we're going to take communion, and we'll continue with our lesson. God, I want to thank you for uh, bringing us together today. I pray as we take communion that we will remember that your body was broken for us that your blood was spilled for us, uh, and that you call us to live in a way that honors you and honors uh, the people around us, God, where we're we're loving like you were. Um, And so I just pray you help us to be who we need to be. God, if there's anything we need to repent of this morning, God, if we need to ask for help, I pray you'll help us do that. If we need to... uh, Take some other action, God. I just pray you guide us today as we seek to honor you. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. I've, I've been using the term authentic faith uh, and saving faith a lot. The, the terms authentic and saving faith uh, means that there is an inauthentic and a non-saving kind of faith. Now, I didn't just make that up. That's actually something that is taught in the Bible. If you have a Bible or if you have a, a Bible app, if you want to open up to James 2... Uh, we're going to look at James 2, 14 through 26. Uh, I think we have that up on the screen for you, but it's not going to be on your notes. Uh, so what I want to do is I want to read through this entire section of Scripture um, and just kind of talk about it. And, and you guys need to understand there is uh, a section of Christianity that's pretty large that teaches that faith is simply belief. I was driving through Florida back when I lived in Tampa, Uh, when Ariel and I were uh, living down there, 
Uh, and I remember listening to the radio one day, and I heard a guy come on the air, and he said, if you will just, it was a Christian radio station, he said, if you'll just believe in God for one second, even if you don't believe in him ever again, if you'll just believe in him for one second, if you believe Jesus died on the cross for your sins for one second, he's going to forgive your sins. And then you can go back and not ever believe in him again, but just that one second, God's going to honor that. He's going to forgive you of sins. Now, if you could please take down my address and send me $50, uh, God will bless you that way too. It was one of those kind of things. But, but this was on a big radio station, like, I don't know, thousands, tens of thousands of people probably heard this guy talking, and I'm driving along in the car, and I'm like, I don't, that doesn't sound right. Um, I just say that, guys, there's confusion about this. There's, there's going to be people that you know that, that are religious that are confused about this. This is not something you want to get confused on, what faith is, Right? When you look at what the Bible said, like you can't be saved without it, you want to make sure you get that right, okay? Um, and there is two kinds of faith. There's saving faith and, and, and non-saving faith. Let me just show you what the Bible says. James, James 2, 14 through 26. This is out of the NIV. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Okay, now this is James He's not asking that question because he doesn't know the answer. This is rhetorical. Can such faith save them? Apparently, uh, this group that he's working with, this group of Jews that are spread out over uh, the known world at the time that he's writing to, apparently there was a segment of them that believed faith was simply mental assent. If I just believe the right things, then I'm going to be fine. I don't really have to do anything else. There was a lot of crazy stuff being taught in, in this day. There were uh, people teaching you need to sin more because forgiveness is good, grace is good. You want to get more of that, so the way to get more of that is to go sin more. Uh, that's a little bit of NASA, which, you know, for guys that wanted to go sleep with prostitutes and get drunk, that sounded good to that segment of their church, right? Yeah, I like that. Um, but it wasn't true. And, and there was a lot of stuff, like a lot of these epistles we read in the New Testament, they were written to correct false teaching. A lot of times that was out there or splits in the church over false teaching. What they were dealing with here is there were people that were saying, if I just believe the right stuff, it doesn't matter what I do. And what James is saying is that's ridiculous, okay? Can such faith save them? The obvious answer is no. Uh, suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says, go in peace, keep warm and well-fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? If somebody comes along and says, hey, I'm really hurting bad, and your answer is, well, I'll pray for you. See ya. You know, and there's nothing else to do. He's like, what good is that? You need to have some action there, right? Um, in the same way, faith by itself if it is not accompanied by action, is what? It's dead. Faith by itself, if it's not accompanied by action, is dead. You say, I go to church. I listen to the messages. I believe in God. I believe in Jesus died on the cross. I don't really take seriously this application stuff. Like God says, stay away from that. Well, I don't want to. Well, that's too hard. Well, I might have to go to rehab. Well, whatever. You know, whatever it might be. Uh, he's saying right here, if your faith isn't an accompanied by action, it's dead. That means there's a kind of faith that can be dead. You guys see that? Now, 
On the flip side, there's also a kind of faith that can be alive. 18, but someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. You believe that there's one God? Okay, there's, like I said, segment of Christians that say, all you got to do is believe. All you got to do is believe that there's a God. Okay, what does the Bible say? You believe that there is one God. Good, even the demons believe that and shudder. Dang, James, you just called them people demonic. Hey, you want to be like the demons? Well, believe in God. Guys, the demons believe in God. Are the demons saved? Guys, do the, are the demons loyal to God? Do the demons honor God? Do the, are the demons obedient? No. But they believe in God. Well, the guy on the radio said that they're going to have their sins forgiven. Right? Should I listen to the guy on the radio? No, you got to take what the guy on the radio said back to the Bible. Okay? And what the Bible says is that just believing in God without doing anything God says is demonic. That's what the Bible says. Okay? They believe that and shudder. You foolish person, do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was not our father Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? Okay, now Isaac, uh, this, is, this is referring back, he's writing to Jews, okay? Uh, anytime a, a biblical author writes to a Jewish audience, they often will quote Old Testament scriptures or reference Old Testament stories because the audience, all, they all knew this stuff. Um, they knew this stuff. This was part of their identity as a people, like their connection to Abraham. So this was like something that would hit them at their core. He's like, hey, Abraham was a really good example. Our father of our nation, Abraham, was a really good example. Because if you don't know the story of Abraham, Abraham was living in this part of the world. God comes to him and says, hey, I'm going to give you this land way over here. I want you to pick, pack up all your stuff, all your people. Abraham was a wealthy man. He had a lot of possessions, and he had servants and a big family. Um, well, I take that back. He didn't have a big family yet. Uh, he was later going to have one. Um, he actually didn't have any kids. And so God told him, you're going to have a kid. And through your kid, I'm going to make a whole nation of people. Abraham's like, but I'm an old man. How old was he? He's close to 100, right? Or I think he was 100. And his wife was old. Uh, Sarah was old. She was way past childbearing age. God does this miracle to give this elderly couple a baby. The baby's name was Isaac. God's promise to Abraham was that Isaac was going to grow up and then Isaac was going to have kids and eventually their descendants were going to be too numerous to count. And God was going to use their descendants to bless the whole world. Uh, that's the promise to, to Abraham, right? Then God comes along after Isaac had gotten old enough, probably as a teenager, you know, he may have been 13, 14, but he, he, was, he had been around for a little bit. God comes to Abraham and says, hey, I got an idea. I want you to go up on this hill and I want you to sacrifice your son to me like you'd sacrifice a goat or a sheep. Abraham's like, what? Okay, well, we'll do it then. If God says we'll do it, we'll do it. Guys, that's a horrible story, by the way. This is one of those stories that, uh, like atheists that have uh, been mad at God before, they, they quote this story. Uh, more than once it's happened to me. How could you say your God is good when he calls somebody to go kill, kill her son? That's jacked up, right? 
Abraham, though, for Abraham, it would have been jacked up. But Abraham's like, you know what, God? I trust you so much that I'm going to do what you say. And so he actually goes and lays Isaac out on the altar, just like he would an animal. And he raises the knife up. And he's getting ready to kill his kid when God sent an angel to stop him and said, hey, this was just a test. I'm not really asking. I just wanted to see how loyal you were to me. But Abraham was going to go through with it. Okay? That's the point. Like his, his, his obedience was that deep. Like I'm going to, I'm going to. Now we find out later the reason he did that. It says in the book of Hebrews is that he believed, Abraham believed if he had killed Isaac, God was just going to raise him from the dead. Like that's how, uh, that's how deep his faith was. Rahab is another one that's mentioned. It says uh, about Abraham, you see in verse 22, you see that his faith and his actions were working together and his faith was made complete by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness and he was called God's friend. You see that a person is considered righteous by what they do and not by faith alone. In the same way was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction. Again, that's a reference to an Old Testament story. That's the story of Rahab. Uh, but it's where the Israelites are taken over Jericho and they send some spies into Jericho to check out the city before they attacked it. And while they were there, the spies got into some trouble. They actually hid in Rahab's house from the authorities. Rahab took a man and hid him. And she was like, hey, I know you guys are from God. I'm going to take care of you. I will, I will protect you here. And so she hid him in their house. And then Rahab's family was all saved uh, as a result of that. Whenever the Israelites attacked and took over the city, uh, which the Canaanites, by the way, were really, really bad people. Okay, Whenever God sent his people to take out other people, there was a reason for it. Uh, and it was the stuff they were doing. It was really, really bad. But Rahab was considered righteous because she protected those Israelites. She protected God's people. But man, what a risk for her to do that. Like to take that action was a huge risk. But she didn't just pay lip service to her faith in God and her belief that God is good. She actually took a risk for it because her faith and her actions were working together. Now, let me, he throws these examples out there. And I just want to point out, guys, was either one of those actions that were taken, was that a comfortable thing for Abraham to do or for Rahab to do? Was it comfortable? Okay, no. You want to talk about taking action, they were like, this, this is messed up. The idea of, 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 of losing a child, that's messed up. The idea of putting your family at risk because you're hiding like the enemy uh, of the city you're in. Like that's, that's, that's a tall order, guys. Okay, tall order. We're talking about risky, difficult action. But the point James is making here is that this risky, difficult action is evidence that these people really do believe what they say they believe. Right? Notice verse 24, you see that a person is considered righteous by what they do and not by faith alone. Okay? If you go to um, look up many church websites and read through their statement of faith, you will see that there's a whole section of faith alone churches. 
And what that means is if I just mentally believe the right stuff, I'm going to be, I'm going to be saved. Uh, this comes out of uh, Martin Luther, a lot of it. If you go study church history, Martin Luther uh, is the father of many of our modern denominations, uh, Calvinist, Reformed, all that stuff. Uh, he called the book of James an epistle of straw. Martin Luther hated the epistle of James because of this section right here, because it didn't line up with what he was teaching. And many modern denominations are based on the teaching of Martin Luther, Huldrych Zwingli, and John Calvin, uh, which all kind of come from this, this kind of section. Um, none of them were big fans of this, okay? Um, so then there's two kinds of faith. There's authentic and inauthentic. What does inauthentic or non-saving faith look like? Let's just compare and contrast here, okay? First of all, inauthentic faith is the kind of faith that professes faith but does not produce faithfulness. Professes faith but does not produce faithfulness. In verse 14, what good is it to say you have faith when you don't do anything to show that you really do have faith? Can that kind of faith save you? Uh, this is the kind of faith that says, I believe, but there's no change in behavior. This is the kind of faith that says, I believe in Jesus, but there's no repentance of sin. You keep on the same, same road, uh, and there's no change in, in, in any of that. Um, but this is presented as a kind of faith you can have. You can have a faith like this. Secondly, inauthentic faith is the kind of faith that creates fear, but doesn't create faithfulness. It creates fear, but does not create faithfulness. It says in uh, 18 and 19, to the man who thinks that faith by itself is enough, I feel inclined to say, so you believe there's one God? That's fine. So do all the devils in hell and shudder in terror. Okay? It's, it's, um, you might be afraid of God, but you don't really, you don't really respond in a way that, that you want to honor him with how you're living. Uh, thirdly, inauthentic faith is dead and useless because it's incomplete. Inauthentic faith is dead and useless because it's incomplete. It says in James 2.20, For my dear short-sighted man, can't you see far enough to realize that faith without the right actions is dead and useless? In verse 22, So you see that what he believed and what he did were working together. What he did make his faith, uh, made his faith complete. So this incomplete faith, it, it, honestly, we could just describe it as demonic faith. It's faith that doesn't do what God says. It's faith that says, I believe in God, but I don't care enough about what God says to actually do anything with it. Right? It's like the guy who comes to church and listens to all the messages and doesn't apply anything to his life. It's a waste of time. You should just stay home. Sleep in. Don't waste your time. You want to have, have faith that's authentic you got to have application. So what does authentic saving faith look like? Now look, I just want to say, I don't, know, I don't know all you guys. We've got some guests here today. If you're here today and you feel like you've tried the church thing before, I don't know what's going on in your life. There, there may be something horrible where you just feel like the weight of the world is on your shoulders and, and you're looking for more. Or you can, you can be a person who struggled with addiction. Guys, I know a lot about addiction. I'm an addict. Uh, I started using when I was uh, early in life. I had some bad stuff happen to me. I was uh, molested when I was a kid. Had a lot of trauma that I was carrying into my teenage years. And so you've got this wounded kid 
uh, that turns to drugs, and man, I just derailed my life. I remember feeling so stinking hopeless at times with my addiction. I wanted to get better, but I just didn't see a way out. I know how that feels. You know, there are people in here in this room that have been touched by grief. Maybe you've experienced a loss. Maybe you've got a relative that's sick. Maybe you are the relative that's sick. And there are things that are happening that could just make you feel hopeless sometimes. You say, I've tried the church thing. It didn't really work. I want you to listen carefully, okay? Uh, Maybe you tried the church thing before, but maybe you didn't really do the church thing, if if you know what I'm saying. Like, maybe you had a, a kind of faith, but you didn't really apply this stuff to your life. The difference in God blessing you and you're reaping the benefits of of the good life that God has as a disciple is found in application. You can believe all day. You can say you believe in God all day, but if you don't actually do what God says, uh, you're not going to reap the benefits of it. And guys, life with Jesus is good. Life is good with him. It doesn't mean you're not going to have problems. It just means you're going to be equipped to deal with them. There's nothing bigger in this world than Jesus. There's nothing more powerful in this world than Jesus. At the end of the day, Jesus gets the last word. So if you can just structure your life around honoring him now and quit making excuses, you say, I've tried the church thing. Well, you really haven't until you've done it this way. Okay? So I want to challenge you to think about what I'm going to say. And, and what this actually looks like. And I want to invite you to just look at your own life and say, have I done this? If you haven't done this, I want to invite you to give it a shot. And, and sincerely give it a shot, okay? What does authentic saving faith look like? Well, a complete authentic saving faith is the kind that combines faith and faithfulness. That is belief and behavior. You can believe in Jesus all day, but until he affects your behavior, you haven't really applied this stuff. Okay, and that's the difference between authentic and inauthentic. That's the difference between a faith that's dead and a faith that's alive. Um, two people are used as examples of authentic saving faith. That's Rahab and Abraham. Here's what it says. James 2, 21 through 25. We're going to read this out of the NLT this time. Don't you remember that our ancestor Abraham was shown to be right with God by his actions when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see his faith? And his actions were working together. His actions made his faith complete. And so it happened, just as the scriptures say, Abraham believed God and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. He was even called the friend of God. So you see, we are shown to be right with God by what we do, not by faith alone. Rahab the prostitute is another example. She was shown to be right with God by her actions when she hid those messengers and sent them safely away by a different road. So the question is, how do I develop this authentic saving faith? Well, first of all, and these are just these are straight out of the examples of Rahab and Abraham. Okay, these are both people that are held up as these are the examples to follow. Here's what we have. Number one, authentic saving faith listens to God carefully. Authentic saving faith listens to God carefully. Abraham and Rahab both listened to God carefully. God spoke with Abraham directly. Okay, There are instances in the Bible where God directly speaks to people. Those instances are rare. Okay, It doesn't happen all the time. There are some 
specific times where God wanted something to happen, and so he comes and makes it happen. He communicates directly. He can do it anytime he wants. Uh, he's God, right? With Rahab, God spoke to Rahab through his people. Now, I just want to say that's the normative way God works. You have people in your life that love Jesus. Jesus will use those people to give you a word that you need sometimes. You may not realize that it's God, and it certainly doesn't come in the form of God. It comes in the form of one of his people, but they will give you a message that God wants you to have. That's why you have passages of scripture that say things like, don't forget your leaders who spoke the word of God to you, or how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the message of the word of God, right? In Romans, that is not an exact quote, but it's something close. Um, there is a spokenness to the word of God that God uses. Uh, he, he uses people often. We see this all the time. Regardless of where it comes, though, Abraham listens, Rahab listens. They listened carefully to what God had to say. And they responded faithfully to it. I just want you to ask, if you're here today and you say, I've tried the church thing, did you really listen to God carefully? And by listen to God carefully, I don't mean just listen to know. I mean, did you listen to obey? Did you listen to take action? Did you listen to honor? Secondly, authentic saving faith believes God entirely. Authentic saving faith believes God entirely. I mentioned before that Abraham, man, God actually asked Abraham to sacrifice his son on an altar. God had made a promise that he was going to take that son and use him in the future. And so Abraham reasoned in Hebrews eleven seventeen through 19, by faith Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had embraced the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son, even though God had said to him, it's through Isaac your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead. And so in a manner of speaking, he did receive Isaac back from the death. Abraham's like, you know what? My trust in you is so complete. I know you made this promise to me and you're going to come through on it. Even if he dies, you'll bring him back from the dead. That was how, tr how trusting Abraham was uh, uh, of God the Father. And so... He believes God entirely. You can also just think of that as trust. Okay? You can think of that as trust. Thirdly, authentic saving faith responds to God faithfully. I read this out of the NIV earlier, James 2.26. As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. Uh, on your notes, coming out of the voice. The voice, by the way, is a paraphrase. Um, I do not recommend using paraphrases as a Bible study tool, uh, like the voice, the message. Um, there's a few others that we use sometimes. But and the reason we don't use them as a Bible study is because this is a single translator uh, that, that rendered this. Um, with other renditions like the NIV, NLT, New American Standard, those are committee translations, which committee translation means there's like, 25 Bible scholars that all debate how this should be translated. With a paraphrase, it's one person. So Eugene Peterson is really cool sometimes. Other times, Eugene Peterson, hey, you missed it. Uh, so that's why we don't recommend studying from that. But I do like the way the voice puts this here. Removing action from faith is like removing breath from a body. 
all you have left is a corpse. I like that. I think that's, that's really powerful imagery right there. Uh, and it's absolutely right. It's dead faith versus a live faith. It's like a dead body versus an alive body. One of them moves. The other one just lays there, right? That's what it is. Some of you guys, whenever you hear the word of God, you move. Other of you, you hear the word of God and you just lay there. You don't respond to it, okay? That's the difference. One is alive. One is dead. Guys, we say this all the time. Faith is four things. It is mental belief. It's mental ascent. It's mentally believing the right things. It's also trust, like we see in Abraham here. He trusted God enough to do what God said. It's also loyalty. That means I'm going to stay loyal to him, and it is also obedience. It's four things. Belief, trust, loyalty, and obedience. That's what faith is. That's biblical saving faith. It is not just mentally believing that Jesus died on the cross for my sins, and I don't have to do anything else. That's, that's, that's a tweaked definition. Okay, that's Satan getting in there and confusing things. And you've got whole denominations that teach that, which just adds to the, the noise. Guys, we've got to go back to the Word of God and look at the Word of God. This is not confusing in the Word of God. Amen? Like, you look at it, it's pretty straightforward. I need to do what God says. Looks like it's pretty important. Say, some would say, do I need to be saved? Do I, do I need to do what God says to be saved? Why are you asking? Like, if you seriously love God, if you say you really love God, why are you even asking the question? The answer is no. You cannot be saved without doing what God says. You want to know why I know that? Uh, John 14, you might want to make a note of this. We'll throw it up on the screen. John 14, verse 15. This is Jesus talking if you love me, keep my commands. Jesus said, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My father will love them and will come to them and make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the father who sent me. Now we're going to get into it next week. Um, but faith involves obedience. Guys, that is a part of faith. That should be a part of your understanding of what faith is. And I'm going to show you next week uh, why that is. There's actually a move in biblical scholarship right now uh, with Matthew Bates, Michael Gorman, N.T. Wright, and a few others, where they're at the high, high levels in academia and biblical scholarship. Uh, there's debate now because this has been so botched uh, in, in recent church history, this, this teaching about faith. It has been... Uh, made uh, cloudy by uh, things going all the way back to the Reformation. And so I really appreciate, just as somebody who's kind of been in that world, I appreciate these men and the stance they're taking. But guys, just for our church, I don't want there to be any question in any of your minds um, about what God expects from us. And guys, God does not expect perfection. He, in fact, that's an impossibility. Uh, none of us are, are never going to blow it. If you guys know me, you know, I'm one of the leaders here at the church. We've got uh, several people that lead here. You guys know none of us are perfect. We blow it often. Guys, we say the wrong things. Uh, we, we do the wrong thing. We, we mess up. But what God calls us to do 
is not to be perfect, but to be faithful. There's a difference. When you're faithful, it leaves room for blowing it every once in a while, right? What do you do when you blow it? You get up and you dust yourself off and you try again, right? Uh, God allows room for that. I need that. Do you need that? Okay. But there's a difference between trying and, and making mistakes and blowing it and just not trying. There's a difference. And if you come here and you listen to the word and you just leave and don't do anything that it says, or if you've got some, something in your life that you know does not honor God and you just hold on to it and you, you're not going to let go of that, but maybe you'll tweak this over here. Guys, that's not faithful. God calls you to be faithful. Part of why we need the church is because we can't be faithful by ourselves. Like, I need people in my life to help me be faithful, and you need people in your life to help you be faithful. And that's why God gives us the church. Uh, it, it's our family, and if we're all moving toward him, like if we're trying to move that way, uh, it, it, it creates this culture and this, and this, and this, and this family that's unlike anything else in the world. But God will use it in a powerful way. Uh, if you're here today, I want to invite you all to uh, pull out the cardstock piece of paper. Uh, it's called the Crossings Communication Card. I'm going to give you uh, some space to respond. Uh, if you're here today and, and you're that person that says, I've tried the church thing, guys, just think, have you really tried the church thing like it says to do in the scriptures? Have you really tried to apply this stuff? Have you invited other people alongside you to help you? Uh, man, if, if that is something you want, we are so glad you're here uh, because that's why we started this church is we believe God wants to make a connection with you. We believe the way God makes that connection is through his word, his people, and his spirit. You don't want to leave any of those elements out. Okay, the, the, the word is so important, you, you can't know anything about God without it, but his people are so important. Because honestly, there are going to be things that you can't do by yourself. You need those relationships, and you need a spirit. And guys, his, all, of, all three of those work together uh, to help us be the people that God wants us to be. You don't want to leave any of those elements out. Uh, if you want to get connected today, um, that... That piece of paper you pulled out has some space for you to write your information on it. It's also got several different things that we offer help with. Uh, we've got classes for various life issues. I mentioned earlier I was sexually abused. We actually have a class uh, and kind of some material we take people through who were sexually abused as children. We've got resources for divorce. We've got resources for general life issues. If you're hurting here today, um, there are people here who have been probably exactly where you are uh, and that God has used, uh, he, he's used that in a powerful way often. Um, we want to help you, though. You're in a safe place. You're not going to get looked down on. We want to help you, okay? Uh, I'm going to pray for us. That's going to give you an opportunity to fill that card out and then... Uh, we'll actually sing a song and that'll give you an opportunity to fill that card out. Then we'll sing one more song after that and we'll pass some baskets. You can put the card in the basket. Um, and uh, let me pray for us. 
God, I want to thank you for bringing us together today. Um, Father, I pray that we'll let your word penetrate our hearts. It is so easy sometimes to let things go in one ear and out the other. Uh, I pray we not do that today. I pray we take what is said here and we apply it. Help us to understand the difference between dead faith and alive faith. God, please help us to be convicted not to waste our time at church. If we come to church and don't apply what we're learning, we are literally wasting our time. God, help us not to do that. Help us to understand that the best life possible is wrapped up in faithfulness to you. Help us also to understand we're not going to be perfect. God, your grace is there for us, and there's help ready, uh, people ready to help. Pray we'll take advantage of it, and it's in your name we pray. Amen.